You're listening to the City World Radio Network, high-definition digital radio broadcasting from the city to the world, www.cityworldradio.com. Oh 
and welcome to Morph Mom Moments. Such a fun night. So excited for you all to join us tonight. I have the most amazing guests, the most amazing co-host, the most amazing producer. Just a great night. Now, before we get started, very quickly, for those of you who are new to us tonight, welcome to Morph Mom Moments. My name is Kathleen Smith. I'm the founder of Morph Mom, which is M-O-R-P-H-M-O-M.com, because I'm sure you have no idea how to spell that. <laughs> it makes no sense. Um, we started this up about five years ago. I'd been a prosecutor for a bunch of years, had kids, didn't know what to do after the kids. They didn't really want me back. And I thought, rather than reinvent the wheel... I'm going to go out and I'm going to ask women what they're doing, how they're doing it, what steps they took, more importantly, what steps didn't work. And I'd like to share that with everyone else. So when others are looking to get inspired or to go forward with an idea that they have, they have a model before them. And that model is another female, another woman who's inspiring, empowering, and wants them to do well. And what's better than having someone behind you as opposed to someone against you? So that was sort of the theory behind it. So it started that first year as a website. And actually, one of my co-hosts tonight, Kim, who we're going to hear from, was one of my first editors on all the videos that you will watch when you see them. So the first year we did the website, which is still up and running, and you can see all the videos, and we add to them constantly. I have a, our, um, a column on Huffington Post where it's stories about women throughout the years as well. Fascinating stories, inspiring stories. So I really encourage you to read them. They're not about me, so you definitely want to go read them. Um, we have this radio show, which is so fun. We have classes, and I want to tell everybody that on October 23rd, we're so excited to announce our second annual now um, non-conference, and it's a conference we're going to be holding in New York City. We have panels that include topics from finances to menopause to starting a business to you name it, we have it. No one will feel excluded. Everyone should come. It's a conference that includes all, and hopefully you'll make connections you never expected to make. So again, that's October 23rd, and for details, go to morphmom.com to sign up. So enough about me. And now let's get to why we're here tonight, and we're so excited and thrilled to have my guest, Victoria Takach, Takach, Miles, the author of Miles from Nowhere, An Inevitable Journey of Love and Self-Discovery. And we're here with my two co-hosts, Kim and Stephanie. And as a matter of fact, Stephanie is Victoria's daughter. So welcome, welcome, everybody. And it's an honor and thrill to have you here tonight. Thank you. All right, so let's get down to the why we're here and why you wrote this book Tell us about yourself, Vicki. Tell me how this all came to be. I will have to start with um, the, the seed for writing my book was planted by my students. I was a high school Spanish teacher for 15 years. And early on when I became a teacher, because I became a teacher at the age of 40, so I needed to be relevant. I needed, to, I needed for my students to accept me. And I decided that the best way to do that was to be transparent and vulnerable. And so I shared continuously, I shared my stories with them to let them know that we're all the same and to let them know that I was accessible and I was approachable. And they always told me, write your own book. Why don't you write your, why don't you, Senora Packin, <laughs> which was my name at the time, why don't you write a book? And I always thought that I wasn't, I'm not famous, so why would anybody ever want to write my book? And I, I want to back up a little bit. So let me go back to sort of how this began. So mm -hmm. you're teaching at the age of 40, but I want to back up a few decades. <laughs> I want okay. to go all the way back. I want like to, say, to go to the childhood. I want to go back to sort of how you ended up even teaching and you're all going to hear soon that how you end and you'll, you'll hear about Vicky's 
travels and it's unbelievable what she's done. But living in Mexico and living here, I want to even go back further to why they even thought you had a book. Like what stories were they hearing that even thought that there was something there? You know, I think that when you you have an an unstable life and you're uncertain you have uncertainty in your life you have to kind of invent your own protective mechanisms your defense mechanisms and my mechanism from early on was to be outgoing and boisterous and the life of the party and audacious and a thrill seeker and that's what I started doing from an early age from the age of 15 so those, all of those stories, all of those experiences that I lived went into the melting pot of the story, the, the global story that I started to tell people because it, I was lost. I was, I was absolutely lost looking for myself, looking to anesthetize my existence by covering it up with 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 adventures and 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 life threat literally life threatening experiences and we're going to go back to all these experiences and what it was but at what age or what time in your life did you were you able to sort of reflect and say that's what i was doing what you just said then that i was sort of covering up for everything else just recently i i'm i'm i just turned 59 years old um, at the age of 55, I had uh, I, I had decided to, to take an early retirement from being a high school Spanish teacher in the public school system of New Jersey. And I just sat on the couch one day after having retired and asked myself, what is there for me? I, 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 it's time to be honest. I'm unhappy in my marriage. My my children, whom I love, my eldest daughter had just had my first granddaughter. I, I assessed the whole situation, but I realized at the moment that it was time for me to take a leap of faith, even though I had absolutely no idea what was around the corner, and just admit to myself this is not working. This is not, this is not my truth. This is not my reality. And I'm sick and tired of, of suffering through pretending like I'm happy. Mm-hmm. And I left and I, I decided to leave. I decided to leave the United States and move back to Mexico, which you guys can read about in my book. I have a lifelong love affair with Mexico. I feel like it's my home. It's where I belong. And at the age of 55, I went back to Mexico, and that was the turning point. That was the turning point when I realized I had done the right thing, finally, for myself. All right, so now let's go back. And as you said, you were reflecting back and saying you'd been covering up all things, you'd been doing these things. Tell us sort of about the journey that you were taking. And I guess it all sort of begins when you were in college, you said, and you sort of began college and left. And from then, sort of your journey took many different roads. You know, look at looking in hind the, uh, the expression of hindsight being twenty twenty is there is a reason for that because we can all look back and reflect and understand as to why things happen. I got thrown out of college. I was I was on a reckless crusade to just 
not feel what was going on in my life to resist looking at myself and who I was. Um, I went to college the first time around and I just I, I didn't pay any attention to the rules. I didn't go to school. I got kicked out of college and you know I I ultimately ended up taking a week-long vacation to Mexico to Acapulco in 1978 because I wasn't doing anything else that week. So, you know, that is what started looking back everything happened for a reason the seeds were planted i fell in love with the country i felt like i was at home in that country i prospered in that country i married the father of my children in that country i stayed married for 10 years and had two beautiful daughters as a result of that relationship but until we pay attention to our own stuff it'll keep popping up and so you know I got. I ended up getting divorced. I ended up having to come back to the United States, and I ended up having to continuously be faced with looking at my own stuff. And so as this was going on, at what age did this start when you were so – you've gone to Mexico. You'd gone down to Mexico, and you'd left school, and – so were you 18 at the time when this sort of all yeah, began? Yeah, I was, I was 18. I, I, I mean, I, I didn't know. I, I, I had no plan. I had no plan. I had no consciousness. I had no presence. I, I wasn't paying attention to anything that was happening in my life. I was just moving on to the next adventure. At the time, when you look back, were you happy? I... You know, if if you can call being there, there's a there's a quote from my book. Life under anesthesia is always perfect and always pleasant until the anesthesia wears off, and that took decades to happen. I mean, I just I, I wasn't paying attention, and I was putting my life in danger at every turn. And so I can't. Looking back, I can't tell you. I, I'm truly happy now. I was never truly happy back then. At the time, was there anyone telling you, like, you know, what, Vicki, stop, look what you're doing? Like, was there anyone giving you sort of like danger signs or stop what you're doing? Or were you, and were you even willing to listen to them? No. But were you- and that's actually, it's, it's interesting that you asked me that question because in my book, there's also a quote that says, nobody would stop me. Nobody could stop me. Even if they tried to stop me, they couldn't because I wouldn't, wasn't even willing to stop myself. And that's the fear of every parent. So I have a 21-year-old and, and an 18-year-old and a 15-year-old. So, but you think, you know, they say you say, the more you say no, the more they're going to do it. So I, I wonder at the same time, like the more you're pushing someone that age and saying no, 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 at that age sometimes you're like, oh, yeah? <laughs> well, watch me. <laughs> Hold on. I, th- I think there has to be a balance, and I think there has to be a groundwork that has been that, that needs to be laid from the very beginning, where there's a level of, of respect for, for what the parents are asking you, and not necessarily telling you. I don't think that brute force works in parenting, but if, if that doesn't exist, then you know, if you haven't laid that groundwork by the age of sixteen, more or less, it doesn't it doesn't exist and it doesn't work. With your own daughters and now your granddaughters, how was it with raising them? Was it di- like were you cognizant of the way you'd been raised, and in turn, 
when like you would you deal with a certain situation a different way or i'm just curious absolutely i i went to the polar opposite extreme of how i was raised i tried to be hands-on i did the best i could i was a single mother um my granddaughters are I, 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 I'm not responsible for their their rearing, but my daughter, I'm so proud of her because she is a reflection of, I'd, I'd like to think of how I raised her, and she's doing a darn good job. Well, and I have to attest to that fact because I've been with them for two hours. She's amazing. <laughs> You're both amazing. I am who I am because of this woman right here. I'm. There is no question about that. Unequivocally, the way I raise my children is because of how she raised us. And you know, Kathleen asked you, would you do anything differently? I don't think you should have done anything differently. I think you did. I think you did a great job, and I think you did the best job you could considering the circumstances. And I think you did the best you could considering your level of awareness at the time, which is something that you talk about in your book. And yes, yeah, you were I, so young. Yeah, when you think about it, right? Yeah, I, I was. I mean, we all we all learn. We all we all have the opportunity to learn. It's just a question of deciding to pay attention. So during this lifetime, you you mentioned that you left school and you went down to Mexico for a short, like a three-hour tour, <laughs> like Killian's Island, yeah. and then you ended up staying for 12 years, yes. which is amazing and fascinating. And when you were down there, you were exposed to many different, like, um, sort of cultural things as well. It was the music. It was the 70s. It was Absolutely. the dancing. It was. So can you talk a little bit about that at the age of 18, 19, 20 when you were down there? Well, it was the it was the brink of, of the disco era just exploding in the 80s. So I'd gotten there in late in the late 70s. And then I found myself in the position of being able to command top dollar for modeling and and doing things of that nature because NAFTA wasn't at the time in place. And so everything American was very marketable in Mexico at the time. So it was, it was heady, you know. It was, it was a heady position to be in at the age of 18 and 19 and 20. So, and you had said previously, so you were approached to become a model. And at the age of 18, 19, 20, how do you kind of handle that? They're throwing money at you. They're throwing all of this glamour at you. How do you handle that? You're now in a, you know, in a foreign country. You didn't speak Spanish at the time. Is that correct? Well, when I first got to Acapulco, I didn't speak any Spanish. But anyone, and I am no Einstein, anyone that is immersed in a culture and a language aside from perhaps Cantonese and China or <laughs> Russian or something like that. Anyone can, by way of immersion, it is absolutely the best way to learn a language. And I was fluent, practically fluent in Spanish within six months. So by the time I started modeling and living and working there, I, I, I dominated the language. Did so, you, Did you ever feel anyone was taking advantage of you because you were American and you were young or... And if so, how did you deal with that? Well, that, that, that was the motivation. Nobody was going to take advantage of me. That is the motivation for having learned the language so quickly. You, you're, you're dealing with, you're in a modeling industry that, that in and of itself is, you know, a difficult industry to be in and very easy to be taken advantage of. And I wanted to make sure that I was 
getting what what I was earning. So I I never felt that way because I made darn sure that I was going to learn the language and understand what was going on in front of and behind my back. And so as this modeling career takes off in Mexico, tell sort of what happened then. Uh, it only lasted. It was short-lived. It lasted for two years. And, you know, I look back on my whole the, – the whole stint of me being in Mexico from – the beginning till now and everything happens for a reason i just needed a taste of it i needed i needed i needed i needed to see what i was capable of and then during that those two years of modeling i met the father of my children alejandro de la peña <laughs> with whom i still enjoy a very close relationship and friendship and um, once we got married uh, I stopped modeling. And did you have your kids in Mexico then, or how did you? I I, I wanted to make sure. This is a little bit. F- I used to always joke about this. I just want to make sure my daughters can become president if they so sh- <laughs> if they should choose to. So I came back to the states to have them. Literally, 2020. I'm running for president. <laughs> <laughs> I'm in. Oh, I didn't realize that. Kim oh. and I will run the campaign. I'm yeah, with her part too. <laughs> It was weird, though, because back then, I mean, especially my OBGYN in Mexico, you can buy anything. Back then, you could buy anything. And, you know, I was like nine months pregnant, and my OBGYN wrote me a note to get on the plane saying I was seven months pregnant. And I flew back to have Stephanie, and I had both Stephanie and Elizabeth, my two daughters, in the United States. But within two weeks, I had gotten their papers in order. I had gotten their dual citizenship in order and they were two weeks old when i flew back to mexico both times oh so, so I, you had stephanie went back to mexico I, both yeah. of them I, I i gave birth in the united states just in case just like in case citizens. Yeah. well they would have been citizens anyway but you in order to be i i believe or yeah. at least i believed at the time in order to be a president and i used to joke about that they <laughs> need to be, to be born, born on u.s soil <laughs> God bless America. God bless America. <laughs> All right. So, okay. so you, your modeling career it ends. You you fall in love. You have two kids. You go and you're back in Mexico now with two little girls. Mm-hmm. Okay. So then what happens? You've got Stephanie and Elizabeth. And fast forward. Fast forward. So what happens then? The 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 most outstanding uh, event that changed our lives was the earthquake in 1985. The earthquake in 1985 happened the day after my birthday, as did the most recent one in Mexico City, and um, it, it 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 rocked our world. I think I think natural disasters of that sort kind of um, they 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 make us realize that we really have no control over anything. And it was it was it, at that point it was the largest earthquake that had occurred in the world in the last century. So were all, you close? Were, were we you were in the we were in the most hard hit part. We were in the most hard hit part um, in 1985. Our cross street was three meters lower than than our street. You couldn't even get away in a car. So it was devastating. Um, and we moved to the states shortly after that. Was that the motivation for it? 
for was or, or had you been thinking about coming back? No, was this, no, no, no. This no, was no. just that. That's it. We're going. No, I mean it was just it was it, it was we 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 did move to Cuernavaca, which is where the town I live in now, and about an hour and a half south of Mexico City in the mountains, and it was lovely, but you kind of become disenchanted it's almost like you get mad at mother nature you know it's like how can you do this and is it going to happen again so we just you know we were young and we decided to go to the states and then you went to florida right well yes eventually we moved back to new jersey for a while and um that that's a, you. You need to read my book. I don't want to really get into that. It's just it's a, just a very very long. It's a very long period of time that encompasses us going back to New Jersey and then to Florida. Florida was very short lived. Very very short lived. And then we eventually ended up back in Mexico. And when you were in the states, were you missing? Me- Did you sort of feel like I'm going to be back there eventually anyway? Or I, I I think in my heart of hearts at that time I, I I just I always felt like I from the second I landed in Acapulco in 1978 I felt like I was I was in my I was in my home turf. This woman is a Mayan, like reincarnated. <laughs> Her soul is Mexican, but nope. she is she's not Mexican at all. She's not <laughs> not by blood, but our whole lives she has always said she will go back to Mexico, that's where she belongs, that's where her roots are, that's what's calling her, and that's it. I, I'm, I'm telling you, her soul is Mayan. So there's a reason that that all happened, that you ended up there when you were 18 No years doubt old. about it. There's a reason for everything. There's a reason for everything, and the point of my book is sometimes, most of the time, we don't know what our purpose or, our, or, or what our path is in this life. And you just... Sometimes you just need to go with it without knowing where you're going. I'm not saying to be reckless. I'm not saying to not exercise prudence in your life. I'm just saying that sometimes you need to trust the signs of I don't fit here, but I feel really comfortable here. I, you know, I... I've just always been really unhappy trying to fit a square peg into a round hole and I, I, I yearn to, to go somewhere else because that is ultimately what led me to have the beautiful metamorphosis that I've had only in the last four years out of my whole 59 years of life. What brought that about? Like, why did you all of a sudden have that moment, aha moment? Wait. Like, it wasn't there's there's no all of a sudden but it's it is all of a sudden when you look back on it and you realize that you haven't been conscious and paying attention i think what really happens is what happens is you decide to pay attention and when you decide to pay attention and you do you decide to accept yourself for all your bumps and warts and you decide to accept that you're not happy and you don't know what's waiting for you but you need to do something and you have the courage to step as Deepak Chopra says and I love this expression you have the courage to step into the unknown infinite field of possibilities if you can do that it's unbelievable what happens it is a part of that not just looking 
to the future, but is it also sort of accepting the path that's led you there? Like, I don't know. Sometimes I think you, you spend a lot of time with regrets and with, I should, why did I do that? Why my, my road, my journey would have been so different had I taken this road. So when you come to that revelation, like this is where I'm supposed to be, this is what's supposed to happen. Is it almost like a huge weight is lifted off as well when you're looking back at your past thing? You know, back then people may have questioned my judgment. I may have questioned my judgment, but clearly it got me to where I am today. I'm so glad you asked that because it's not necessarily what you just said, but what it what it is 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 learning how to forgive yourself. And as soon as we can forgive ourselves for having done the best we could given our level of awareness at any given time, we automatically ha- it's much easier to learn to forgive others because we know they're all we're all in the same boat. Nobody at, at the la- at my most recent um, book signing, I said, none of us wake up in the morning and say, look in the mirror and say, I'm just going to be a mediocre version of myself. <laughs> you I know, you said piss poor. I, 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 I do believe I did say piss poor, but, <laughs> but you know, it's just none of us, none of us, we all want to do our best. And we, uh, sometimes we're ignorant. Sometimes we're blind. Sometimes we're not paying attention. We all do the best we can, given our level of of awareness at any given time. And that fluctuates all the time throughout our whole lives. So, you know, once we start paying attention, we can reflect. And it's not about looking back on the past. It's just about saying, this is who I am. This is, th- this is where I am. Everything that's led up to where I am right now was for a reason. I needed to learn. I was given the opportunity to learn. If I didn't learn back then, it's all cool. Let me start learning now. Let me let me let me start knowing myself and accepting myself for exactly who I am. So, what do you hope this book gives to other moms or women or general? Like, what is your? I I you know it's it's so interesting because when I started writing this book, I I it was purely cathartic. I just I was I I went to Mexico. I was newly retired. I was newly free for the first time in my life. And I, all I wanted to do was, was find myself. I was so desperately in need of not suffering anymore. I was practically willing to do anything it took to just get to know myself and accept myself. I don't mean... Well, I am interrupting. (laughs) Technically, I am interrupting. But when you're saying that, was it to numb what we were feeling? Or was it sort of like to override and find something else? No, it actually is the first time in your life it was to not numb. Yeah, it's the actual complete opposite. My entire life had been, and there's a quote in my book, life under anesthesia is always perfect and always happy until the anesthesia wears off and that would take me decades to experience um it was the first time that i had ever just you know sat still and it's 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 around the time when i started meditating which is a whole nother interview but you know it's a it's about letting yourself feel and accepting what you feel and feeling the pain and by means of feeling that by by way of feeling the pain and accepting what you're experiencing we're able to let that suffering dissolve and just and and just move forward. 
So looking back, why do you think you were trying to make yourself numb over all those years? I was I was miserable. I was miserable. But besides being miserable, and and I, I this this is not uh, pointing the finger at anyone in my life. I think that many teenagers and many people, not just women, grow up in situations where you just feel like you have absolutely no control over your life. Children of di- products of divorce, particularly in divorce, is so rampant in our society. But it's not just that. It's today's world and, and you know... Messages. The, 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 the threat of nuclear war. I mean, kids just grow up and feel like they don't have any control. And the only way, the only... Is, since they don't have the tools of meditation... And emotional integration, which is also another uh, interview that I would love to do. Um, if you if you don't know how to process it, and you don't know how to look at yourself and look at why you're feeling the way you feel, and accept that you're afraid, accept that you're vulnerable, accept that you're arrogant, accept that you're trying to protect yourself against abandonment and against. Uh, neglect and against feeling guilty if you don't know how to do those things you 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 need the only way to do it is to numb it with whatever you need to numb it with drugs alcohol shopping gambling whatever is one of the hardest obstacles in that too when you were saying like how to accept your own sort of judgment about yourself but or maybe it's just me but also others other opinions about yourself like how others judge what you've done and how others have condoned or condemned what you've done and how that plays a huge role I think especially in kids you know it was especially with social media and with everything else how it's not just you anymore it's everybody else's opinion about what you've done and everybody else's judgment about what you've done and have you met some standard or some bar that doesn't even exist it's been created on social media that it's up I don't know I'm just wondering if that that's the whole that's the whole thing i mean we need to learn and we need to teach our children how to look at themselves emotionally and integrate emotionally and ask themselves this is this is part of the meditation process that i do you just you know something happens in school when you're in third grade and you're getting bullied or you you get cut off as as an adult on the on the highway and you just completely lose your mind and you to to have the tools of being able to go home and sit in silence sit with yourself and just say to yourself why 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 did i react this way and there, I mean, this is another conversation, but there are three basic premises to why we react to things. One is fear, one is shame, and the other one is arrogance. And if we can learn to at least identify that those, one of those three things is the reason why we're reacting, and it goes further we can start to accept say to ourselves okay that kid's bullying me i'm i'm afraid i'm 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 afraid or i'm ashamed that that kid is you know making fun of me and and, and it might be true or i'm arrogant and you know it's there there's a whole process but it's it, you know what it's all about kathleen it's about giving each other the tools that we need to be able to deal with these with these things so this is something that you started to set. So yoga, meditation, emotional 
integration. integration. When did you start to study this, and what was it that got you even involved in that in the first place? What prompted it? Yeah. You know, some stuff I really believe is just, you know, it's fate. It's it's what it's what we were destined to do, even though we don't we don't know it at the time. I love yoga. I've been doing yoga for decades. I became a yoga teacher back in I became a certified yoga teacher back in 2012. And that, you know, it's it started it started it, it provoked my curiosity. It started it started me going down that route. Um, meditation 100% is the answer, the, the answer to inner peace. It's the answer to inner peace. And I am a guided meditation teacher and I am available to we give meditate. I think <laughs> we meditate with her, um, via Skype. From Mexico, yeah, and she has clients here in the U.S. that meditate standing, standing weekly appointments with her via Skype from the U.S. She's in Mexico, and it's, you know, that's. So do you get people like um, Kathleen here who has, and me, who have a lot of energy, can't shut it off? Like, how do you approach those people? I approach them the, the way, from what I've learned myself, because I was exactly the same way. And it's just, it's, it's. I, I feel like I'm filling a niche that I wish somebody would have had for me when I started meditating. You know, I do guided meditation. I give hour sessions. Every single session has a different theme, but every theme is a common theme among all of us. Why are we angry? Why can't we forgive ourselves? Why Why do we feel guilty? Why, you know, and, and you guide people through the meditation. You guide them through the relaxation process, and it's effortless for the, uh, for the person on the receiving end. It's not, you know, go sit in a corner it's and turn. It's the best night's sleep you will ever have. <laughs> yeah, I was I'm not say, kidding. what is the best? I, I haven't slept in 12 years. Kathleen, I'm going to gift you a session, guided meditation session. You too, Kim, with my mom because – that's how amazing it is. And I, she's my mom. I mean, like, I'm not getting anything don't believe from this. Like, don't believe me. Don't and I sleep word. like a baby. And I don't, like, I'm just a good sleeper. But you guys will not regret so it. You're, so overall life benefits of meditation are what? If I want to, like, if what we I, If we can all learn, there, there's a beautiful expression that I love. And that is, in silence, I find my own true self. And if we can learn to be with ourselves in silence, I'm, I'm talking about five or ten minutes. I mean, my, 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 cl- my meditation sessions are an hour, but I'm guiding you, and it's a theme, and you're very entertained. But if we can learn to sit in silence for five or ten minutes and just pay attention to what comes up, not try to turn our minds off, just pay attention, we can get to know ourselves. And after all, who are we going to spend the rest of our lives with? Oh, that's so depressing. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my, with oh myself. my God. <laughs> well, we got, we have, we, what we, what, what will really truly give, give you peace is t- to like who you are and be okay with being with yourself because we don't have any guarantee that anybody else is going to be there. Anybody. I'd say most of my friends right now and just even recently in the past year or two are all 
meditating. And and I can't sleep. We've, we've all listeners out there, you've heard this before. It's been about twelve years, and I don't sleep at all. I watch TV all night. And everyone says to me, "You have to meditate. You have to meditate." That's and they send me links, and they send me, and I. This is like a therapy session for myself. Right? <laughs> but, yeah, but I can't do it. Like if there's no sound in the background, if there's no, but this I is am the thing. Terrified of that. That's that's exactly it. Terrified it is terrifying. I'm terrified of it. It's like, terrifying. It's terrifying. But all those people that tell us, and the same thing happened to me when I started meditating about five or six years ago. Telling somebody you just got to meditate is like telling a depressed person to snap out of it. (laughs) It's it's bullshit. Like you can't tell somebody, don't be depressed. Just go meditate. You need somebody. And and there are very few people who are willing to take you by the hand like both of you ladies have done for me today to bring me here. We all do. we We all do our part. And... I feel like my part in this world is to help people find what I have found because nobody had more squirrels running around in their attic than I did. <laughs> nobody. Was it terrifying the first time? It was sort awful. Of- it was awful. It was torture. It was torture. What was the hardest part for you? So you said when you do this meditation, or it's a sort of a three-step process, like accepting, and I'm sorry if I miss representing what you said but sort of accepting the fear accepting the guilt what of those things was the hardest for you to face well you're 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 jumping into emotional integration which is a whole it's 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 i'm i'm trained and certified as as an emotional integration therapist and that's a sort of emotional integration is the love child between meditation and therapy psychological therapy and it's a guided therapy that the that the that the therapist gives to the person but meditation is very simple you you pick a place where you live in your home that's comfortable or you make it you create a space that's comfortable you pick a time that you know will be conducive and conducive to to consistency and I, I'm going to give you something really simple that I learned from David G., who is Deepak Chopra's right hand, one of Deepak Chopra's right hand, right hands. And he's, he's a genius in meditation. I, I urge you to get the book, The Secrets of Meditation, because it's, it's a beautiful and very simply put book. And he says, very simply, meditate five minutes or ten minutes in the morning. As soon as you wake up, before you even leave, you can do it right in your bed. And and throw out all those BS rules that you have to be sitting erect with a rod up your ass. You can sit, <laughs> you can sit right in your bed. You can be comfortable. Do it in the morning and do it right before you go to sleep. And just think of it as this. I'm setting the table for the day. What do I want from this day? What What do I want to walk out of my house and give to the world and just pick anything, kindness, happiness, a smile, to, to just super, super simple, five minutes. And at night or before you leave your office, if your house is mayhem when you get there, you sit for a second at your desk or you sit for a second in your bed before you go to sleep and you reflect. And it's, it's setting the table in the morning and washing the dishes at night. 
What do I, what, what did I do today? Let me give myself a pat on the back. What, what kindness did I do today? What did I do that, that, that gave something to someone else? <laughs> Period. I was going to say, what if it's like a bad day? Really bad? That's what I'm saying. What if you had nothing? But you no. won't. That's there's, the point. You won't have a bad day if you no set way. the table in the morning. If you set the intention in the morning that you were going to do something good, there's literally, you'll see, it's 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 amazing. You won't have a bad day. You will have done something. Even if you just held the door for someone at Starbucks. Exactly. That's it. You're not going to have there you're not going to be without something positive at the end of the day. But you have to give yourself the pat on the back for it because who's harder on yourself than you are and that's what she her whole life. So is know? that like your inspiration for your book basically what you want to pass on to people is that freedom to be yourself, to love yourself? Is that like was that your journey and you know, just what is your message at the end of the it day? It wasn't the original one. It wasn't the original one. But as I wrote it, because my students had always said to me, you know, people ask me, what is your, what, what, what has held you back from, from greatness? What has held you, what has held you back from your dream and from your goal? And Marianne Williamson has a beautiful poem about, about just that. I'm not going to quote it, although I probably could. But, I think that what holds us all back is the fear of being the best possible version of ourselves that we can be. And we're afraid of that. And I always used to say to my students, I'm not going to write a book because I'm not famous and nobody's going to buy my book. But as I wrote the, the words on the page, on the pages, and I reread my book over and over again in the process of editing, I realized I'm just a regular person that could inspire and give hope to others. Not because they've had the exact same scenario that I've had, but simply because their life has presented things to them and and they don't know what to do. And that is, you're right, Kim. the, The end game has become that I would love for this book to become an instrument of hope and inspiration to people who feel like they're lost and who are surrounded by people telling them you are lost. Well, even the title alone is so like miles from nowhere. It's the perfect way to describe how you feel. Like, I I think the title is phenomenal. How'd you even come up with that? Well, Cat Stevens, my man, (laughs) I mean, his, his lyrics are in the very beginning of my book. I had to get his permission. I I have a license to reproduce his, his lyrics. It's there. And it it describes what I've, what I have experienced in my life. I found it very inspiring, your book. I did. Thank you, Kim. I did. I did. When I think that when you were saying it doesn't have to be the exact same experience, but it has to be that same feeling. Yeah. So maybe the feelings replicated, not yeah. where you are location Absolutely. wise or whatever it is. Absolutely, but it's that feeling that miles from nowhere. I'm s- like, it's a terrible feeling. No one understands me, and I don't even understand myself. <laughs> I yeah. think that's like every mom, by the way. Yeah, I you know going back to the morph mom thing and all moms, like you know when you have your kids, you, nobody gave us a manual. There are all these helpful books. But you just punt and pray and, <laughs> you know, and do the best you can. And sometimes you do great. Sometimes you fall down. 
And you pick yourself up. You picked yourself up many, many times, and you found inspiration in your own story. And we hope we can all find inspiration in our own individual stories. You know, I mean, that's what I got out of it. I'm like, if she can do it, I can do it. Because we get, we're in our 50s now, and we kind of get stuck. And I'm at that point, and I think your website really helps with that. No, we, you know, it's like, what do I do now? My kids are gone. I'm like, you look at your husband on the couch, and you go, all right, it's 6 o'clock. What the (laughs) heck do we do now? There's no games to go to. We're going to watch the news. So I, you know, it's, it helps, it helped me think of, okay, I can try new things now. Mm -hmm. So I, it's very inspirational that way. So I thank you. Thank Mom, what's your what, what would be your advice to someone, no matter what their age, you know, who might find themselves in a posi- similar position that you were in, where where they are tired with their 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 lives, they're in a stagnant marriage, they're not happy, you know, maybe they're thirty, maybe they are fifty, maybe they're seventy. I mean, it's never too late. You you've shown me that, but what would be your advice? To someone who's paralyzed with fear, but they they know there's more to their life than what they're living now. What is your advice to, to them? Get, yeah, how to get out of your own way, basically. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, the fir- the first thing that comes to my mind, and it, it might it might sound like I'm a broken record, just find a find a quiet place and sit down and admit to yourself. Just sit right down and admit to you. This doesn't have to be religious or anything. Sit down and just say, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. And I'm just going to sit here for a while, and I'm just going to be with myself, and I'm just going to listen and pay attention to what comes across, what comes into my mind, the, the thoughts that my mind is, are, are, is producing. And just pay attention to that. And that's the beginning of meditation. Meditation will give you, will, will calm you down enough. Lao, Lao Tzu said, I hope that we can have the patience to wait for the, for the cloudy water to settle and be able to see, see the clarity in the water. And so just by sitting down, and saying, I don't know what to do. You you admit it to yourself. Stop trying to be a hard ass. Stop trying to be, you know, conquer the world. We're all taught that, you know, from the playground when we're little, just shake it off. Don't cry. Shake it off. Shake it off. No. Accept it. S- admit that you don't know what to do. And just do that for a while and sit in stillness. And I, I really do think that that would be, I mean, from anybody, from kinder, from my granddaughter's age to my age, that's you, what I would suggest. Do you remember the time in your journey, so from Mexico back here to raising two daughters as a single mother, do you sort of remember maybe that first time that you did that, that you sort of sat down and maybe not within these specific steps, but do you remember sort of the time when you were like, yeah, it okay. took a long ass time, which is what I'm trying to help people. <laughs> I'm trying to help people avoid wasting time. I am telling you, I just turned 59. 
seven years ago in 2012 I got certified as a yoga teacher that gave me that's when I first started meditating and I used to go downstairs in the dark before I would go to school as a high school Spanish teacher in public school system and I used to make myself I'm very disciplined I used to make myself sit there and I used to like the whole time I was there this sucks this sucks this sucks (laughs) but I know I'm getting ready for something but I don't know what it is but I'm going to damn well do it and i made myself and five minutes was in it was it it was it was an amount of time that seemed like forever that's a lifetime it is but you just you know what nobody was coaching me i i want to tell you guys that when you go and sit and for five minutes all you do is say bring on thoughts that's what my mind's meant my mind's doing its job but you recognize the thoughts, and then you just let them puff away like a cloud in a breezy sky. And you accept. You start to learn to accept, I'm a human being. This is how I function. This is what I do. I'm just going to sit here and be, learn little by little to be okay in my silence. To be still. To be still. That's going to be a hard one for me. I'm going to um, a panic attack thinking you. about it. I'm going to help you. You're going to love it. <laughs> so You're going to put one, me in your will. One year from today. Trust me, we'll it's not going to be great. <laughs> okay. And she's I, gonna I'm getting be going, palpitations. Oh, as, as the more you're saying to calm down. That means you need it. My heart's going really, really fast. <laughs> I'm never going to tell you to calm down. I'm going to tell <laughs> I'm going to. You don't have to worry. I'm never going to tell you to calm down. So as, oh, God, I can believe we have a couple minutes left. This has been one of the most amazing interviews. Uh, family matters here. It's been awesome. But I want very quickly before we end, again, I'm sitting here with this amazing author, and Vicki has just published Miles from Nowhere, An Inevitable Journey of Love and Self-Discovery. And for those out there looking to publish a book, and look, you've inspired them, and they've got the ideas, it's on the paper, any idea or any um, how to how to's what steps can they take maybe three steps tomorrow morning that they can take three steps identify what you're passionate about identify what you want what you want to share with the world I published this book by myself there you there are many many self-publishing um, companies on the internet um, and and that's who I went with um, so you start writing you decide that you're going to write about something. This is what I did. I made it be my job. And I woke up every morning and for 60 days, and that's all it took, I said to myself, I'm going to get up. I'm going to drink my coffee. I'm going to eat a little bit of breakfast, my protein shake. I'm going to go take a yoga class, and I'm coming home. And for five hours, I'm sitting down at my computer, and I'm going to write. And I do, I don't know if this is the right way to do it, but I created a table of contents first, and then I filled it in. It was kind of like an outline. Of course, I was writing about my life. I don't know if that pertains to, you know, if you want to talk about fiction or stuff like that. But um, I do encourage you to have, you, you you need to dedicate yourself to yourself, and you need to have the discipline of waking up and doing a designated amount of time it doesn't have to be five hours it could be three whatever but don't deviate from that and you share a very personal story and i'm sure there are other details that you wavered as to whether do i include them do i not include them so any advice to someone out there who wants to share their story because they want to inspire others but at the same time 
they're not sure how to handle certain. You don't want to step on toes, right? You don't want to offend anyone. Like, how do you, how did you handle those situations? I was very, very conscious of, um, of of having the book come from my responsibility for where I was at any given time and taking the decisions that I made. I mean, after all, we're all responsible for our own lives. And that was my that was my point of view. I think that we that it is extremely important to pay attention to not cause suffering in any way. Right. So this wasn't your way to pass baggage along to somebody else or blame anybody anybody else. So for those out there, that's not going to help you. That's not going to make you feel like you've overcome something. If you, it's more. You're, you're overcoming it yourself and real, your own self-realizations. I think part of our self-realization is taking responsibility for absolutely everything that has happened to us in our lives, the choices we've made, being able to forgive ourselves for taking those, uh, taking those decisions because we didn't know any better, and forgiving ourselves. It's a perfect way to end this, and I don't want to end it, but very quickly... An amazing night. Thank you, Kim and Stephanie, my amazing co-hosts. Thanks for and having v- us. And yes. Victoria Takash, Miles from Nowhere, An Inevitable Journey of Love and Self-Discovery. Where can we get this? You can get it on Amazon.com. You can get it on my website, VictoriaTakach.com. You can get it on BarnesandNoble.com. For sure, between now and the holiday season, it, it will be in brick-and-mortar stores because my book is going to be featured at, and I apologize for not knowing the name of this trade show, it's the last huge literary trade show before the Christmas season occurring in, I believe, Chicago in October, and my book is going to be featured, um, and that is the, the, the trade show where all bookstores go and buy the books for their brick-and-mortar stores for the holiday season. So Congratulations. I'm yeah. very much looking and forward to And are we going to gonna have another book, we're hoping? <laughs> yes, we are, we are going to have another. We are, we're going to have another couple of books that I, that I have on the horizon. I believe my next book is kind of a um, continuance of this book in that it is, it is going to be something like – um, and it's not going to be named this, but it's. It, I look at it as conversations with God, and it is kind of an anthology of the mantras and the prayers and the conversations I have while I'm meditating because I do a lot of meditating. And I think that, that being a type A person like I am, it's really good to have a certain um, subject that you want to address when you meditate. And these mantras and these prayers can only help well you can only help all of us and that's what you've done with your story with your honesty with your bravery to being so honest and to open up about everything you went through and that's sort of the whole point of morph mom is we always ask people i don't want to hear about all the good tell me about the bad so i can relate to that yeah and that's going to help me the most so i'm so appreciative for everything that you've done for raising your amazing daughter by the way who's standing next to me thank um thank you for joining us everybody go out and get this book right away And um, hopefully you're going to be back soon next time you're here from Mexico. I would be delighted. Thank you, Kathleen. Oh, thank you, guys. Thank Thank you so much for a great night. And everyone out there, good night. Thanks for listening. And we'll see you next week. Bye. If you served honorably in our nation's armed forces and you're looking for a way to continue serving your fellow veterans in your community, then join AMVETS. 
Each year, AMVETS members volunteer millions of hours at VA healthcare facilities from coast to coast, helping to improve the lives of their fellow veterans through the VA Voluntary Services Program. AMVETS posts and departments also participate in a wide variety of community service projects, ranging from Americanism in our schools to supporting the Special Olympics and Boy Scouts of America. If you no longer wear the uniform today, you can still serve through the AMVETS by joining today at AMVETS. 